life was like a box of chocolates. There's no place like... You talking to me? All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Nobody puts baby in a I could have been a contender. He's looking at you, kid. Here's Johnny. A very particular set of skills. Your milkshake. Go ahead. Make my day. I'll be back. I am the father. I'm Spartacus. Say hello to my little friend. Why so serious? You shall not Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Real Features podcast. I'm your host, Paul Cookson. Uh, we are mixing it up again on this podcast. I don't think we've really been consistent on any episode with any type of formula. It seems to be different every single one, but uh, I'll explain that in a second. But first, what I will do is introduce our, our guests again. That's uh, our panel, I guess you'd call it. Um, starting off with uh, Mr. Sam Lavery. Hi. Welcome. And <laughs> uh, Paul Bonadio. Hi, Paul. Hello, Sam. Hello, everyone. Hi, Paul. And Paul. We also might be uh, joined later on in the podcast. Someone else might be uh, dialing in. We're actually doing this over Zoom, of course, uh, with the lockdown. Unfortunately, we're, we're back to the Zoom uh, video calls. But, um, yeah, he will be joining potentially uh, in the middle of it at some point. So we'll introduce him when he joins us. But um, You're not going to yeah. say who that is right now. Is that a secret? That's uh, a huge no, secret. No, I might as well just say it. It could be. It's not, it's not like it's, uh, you know, Tom Cruise joining or some special no. big name yeah. A-lister. It's, uh, it's uh, my brother, Daniel Cookson. So, oh. yes. Oh. So I uh, thought we'd change it up and get someone else on the panel as well just to uh, make it interesting, especially because this is going to be a... Could be a lengthy podcast. It could actually, we might split it up and could go over several different uh, weeks. We might release it just because um, there's a bit to talk about in this one. We've actually decided on this podcast, we're going to count down from 50 all the way down to number one, the top 50 villains in movie or cinema history. It's a pretty big list. Mm. So. Very exciting. We thought villains as opposed to heroes, you know, the villains are a bit more fun. You know, there's a bit more to talk about on that. Um, yeah, no, it should be should be good fun. But first off, how are you guys going? What's uh, news with you guys? What's oh, going on? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> there's absolutely nothing in the middle of a goddamn lockdown. I've been looking forward to this. Doing podcasts is pretty much all you can do at the moment. I don't have to wear a mask in this room, which is pleasing. Um, <laughs> That's about all I've got to say right now. But I'm, what I am intrigued about is getting to your number one. Already glove Paul Bonadio has flagged. He disagrees with I'm intrigued. I'm sure there's going to be some robust discussion and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 You know, we'll get to that. And um, there'll, be, there'll be anger. There'll be tears. There'll be all sorts of things going on. But I'm a bit the same. I've just spent most of my life savings on betting. So it'd be good to just change it up and just just relax for a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> and it should also be noted um, that Paul Bonadira is drinking exclusively peppermint tea for this podcast. Very true. Hardcore. Proceed. <laughs> Yeah, it should be an interesting debate, especially if there's some differences. So I will say off the get-go, uh, there could be some profanity. Um, might be throwing things around the room. Who knows how where this uh, podcast could head to, but uh, stay tuned. It will be fun. That's part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, we might as well. There's a lot to get through, 50 to 1, so let's get into it. What do you reckon, guys? Let's no. Do it. Do it. Beautiful. So... It's a pretty big list, but uh, starting at number 50, we've gone with Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, which, of course, not the Batman one with, I can't remember, Poison Ivy or whatever it was in uh, Batman Forever, I think it was. Oh, Mr. Freeze. Version. and yeah. that, uh, Oh, no, did that have Mr. They actually Freeze, had anyway. a Bane. Yeah, they actually had one. Oh, oh they had a Bane in that one. Yeah, it wasn't great. Who um, played Poison yeah. Ivy? Was that? Uma. Uma. Uma, that's right. Yeah. Unfortunately, she didn't make the list on this one, but uh, yes, mm. Bane, Tom Hardy. Jeez, what a what a performance! He's such a good character actor, isn't he? But um, yeah, I feel like Sam, you'd probably make a pretty good uh, or do an impression of Tom Hardy in that oh. film. But uh, no pressure. 
jeez, okay. Here we go. Straight off the cuff. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know if I've done a bean. What is it? It's like Paul Cook's <laughs> You know, I've got no idea. Sorry about But that. what Seriously. I do know yeah. is that uh, Tom Hardy loves a role where his face and voice is covered. Yeah. He loves doing like certain voices. Um, be, so yeah, that one suited him be very, very well. But dude, for COVID, wouldn't and it? just have that mask on him, yeah, massively. Oh, he's thriving right now. <laughs> but one thing, I know the glove would appreciate this, but I'm going to say also, maybe it only got number fifty in villains, but I reckon it's almost number one in traps oh, in a wow. movie. Bane. He's jacked up. He's jacked up. Well, you got to be jacked up against Batman. I mean, yep. and. Uh, you know, and an interesting fact about um, Tom Hardy, I don't know how many people know this, but I think it's a few. He was actually a heroin addict before Whoa. he became a really big actor. Wow. Yeah, right. really big drug right. addict. So you can see him putting on that muscle. Obviously, a bit of injection along the way. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Helped me in the past. Helps those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that explains that roid rage you have. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if, if that's number 50, it's a strong list. I love that. I was, was, was going to yeah. say, yeah. That he's a very, like, obviously not maybe the strongest of those types of villains, but in that series, but he's a very, he's up there. He's yeah, awesome. and, that's, and that's the thing. I mean, Bane beforehand, you know, he was sort of a known one in the comics, but he sort of like made it one of the, one of the most uh, popular villains of that. And obviously, I mean, he beats the absolute hell out of Batman and it mm. essentially breaks his back almost like I think in the comics he, he does which I don't know how he comes back to it. but um, yeah pretty and you know his whole persona he's I don't know he was a very imposing sort of figure in that and it's yeah, um, yeah no he absolutely nailed it that's for sure so strong start, start. yep that's it so keep moving number 49 um, we've got uh, I think you pronounce it comment Commodus, that's the one from Gladiator, of course, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Ah, yep. Yeah, it's uh, definitely he was the snarl on him and stuff like that. The un- unlikability when everything's going on. I mean, just uh, it's probably almost one of the roles that really probably elevated Joaquin. You know, early days and in, in that role, but he plays such a good villain in that. Um, such a good counter to Russell Crowe, who again is probably one of Russell's best. Best um, roles in that, but um, yeah, he's uh, he's certainly hold definitely like that dynamic dynamic between those two is huge on it, and it's um, such a good feud those two, I think. But yeah, mm. yeah, no, I agree. I think like that. I think you're right. It's one of the defining roles for Joaquin, and since then we've seen him just grow as an actor, and like you know, don't have to go past the Joker in films like that, where he's just an amazing character actor. For sure. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. And Russell yeah. was great too. You know, he was, he was compelling. He was Australian. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially in New Zealand, isn't he? He's, uh, he has that real hate we'll him. factor. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost a perfect movie, Gladiator, as well. But that's mm. the thing. But yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Again, 1549. What's, what's coming up next? Dude, I, mean, I reckon, <laughs> I feel like this mid-tier of your list is going to be very... I'm very intrigued to hear it. Could be joking. Who knows? Like, <laughs> it, just kind of, it just goes up and then boo. Also, do you know a walking in real life? Because I reckon he's almost got the only name of that. Yeah. That's a good point. You don't hear of like things, do you? No. R.O.P. Yeah. River as well. Would have been one of the greats of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Good call. You the other name you don't hear up. a lot of. Sorry, Glove. Um, no. Keanu. Keanu. Mm. Yes. That's right. Yeah. It's true. It's a very good start point. Start a names podcast just separately. I'm slabs and I might have to kick off for this next one though, Cooks, because we're not quite that familiar with this. Ah, uh, yes. and that might be. I, this I don't even have the list in front of me, Glove. I'm just going up. Do you have the list on the screen? Oh, I'll take the list out. Yeah. No. Okay. We'll go surprise. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah. No. I, I expect this one's going to be a brief one over, over you right, guys, but it's he's very popular one. It's Loki from the Avengers. Um, so I'll, I know both of you aren't a huge, huge Marvel fans, but I know a lot of uh, Real Features um, listeners are. So I'll, I'll take this one. Um, Loki, of course, comes in. in uh, he is the brother of uh, Thor. And uh, his role then ends up becoming, he's the main villain, of course, of Avengers, the first one. And he kind of carries that. It becomes so popular 
um, in that franchise that he continues to carry over into a lot of the other movies to the point that, um, yeah, spoiler alert, he's been killed a few times, I think brought back from the dead a few times just because he's so popular to the point that now they're even, he's got his own spin-off TV series is going to be released on uh, Disney Plus as well. So um, very popular. Um, he's he's sort of supposed to be the god of mischief. So he's got that. He's got the the look, the eyes that are very uh, mischievous, uh, which is perfect for the role. Um, very uh, yeah. No, he's um, yeah. No, he's and especially one of the criticisms with a lot of Marvel films is they've got a lot of strong heroes, but a lot of the time they don't really, their villains aren't really, they don't really carry over or they're not really um, super strong. Whereas he's clearly one of the strongest ones, if not the strongest um, in that franchise. And um, yeah, Tom, Tom has really definitely made that his own. And um, yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's a good one, but that's all right. I'll keep moving. To I next agree. One I feel like, <laughs> Uh, All righty, number 47. <laughs> Is number 47 David Duchovny from Beethoven? Uh, no, I don't. I think he might be high. What? No, he's not. Yeah, uh, I thought so. David Duchovny from... Wow. I David Duchovny plays a bad guy on Beethoven, the film with the dog. That's I hope you have these sort of ones all throughout this podcast. Just little. Oh, ones. I got a few lined up. <laughs> Sorry, Glove. This is going to delay it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Number 47, we've got Van Drago from Rocky IV. Yeah, of course, right. played by Dolph Lundgren. Ah, uh, yep. I mean... Uh, great bad yeah. guy, man. Yeah. He's a great... And spent, what, so, what year do you think his reign started and ended his prime? Whoa. I think that was 85, I think, that movie. Because it's uh, our birthday year, Slabs. Yep. Yes. He also played uh, He-Man in Master of the Universe, one of my favourite as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Universal Soldiers, man. Classic. Mm. Classic. He was awesome in that. That was probably and, my more my intro into him. Yeah. Jean-Claude Splits Van Damme. Yeah, let's see. He, um, Dolph studied in Melbourne as well. So he, was, he, he was, lived in Melbourne for quite a long time. Oh, wow. We're broadcasting from for, for all the listeners back at yeah, right. the world. Yeah. Random facts is impressive already, Gloves. On this, he's going to be holding this. Fucking, I'm sorry, I'm swearing already, but he's going to be holding this thing together in in an hour from now when we're sloppy cooks and Gloves yeah. be holding the manning the fort. But, um, oh, great, uh, great one. You always thought that Rocky would never beat him, but every time you watch that fight, that he cuts the Russian. One of the best moments in the yeah. whole Rocky series. The Russians cut one of the best. Love it. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the things about why, I, you know, we talk about, you know, Rocky 1 was amazing, um, Rocky 2, Rocky 3 with Clubber, um, you know, some great, great films leading into it. But obviously the villain, uh, well, you know, call him the villain, but, um, you know, Apollo Creed, you know, he was against, certainly wasn't a villain in the first two. Um, the third one, definitely Clubber was, he was good. Um, but, uh, of course, played by Mr. T, but, um, yeah. but then the fourth one with Avant, I mean, he was intimidating, like the way that he rolled out this genetic machine. He was sort of like this just massive intimidate, like he was so tall and strong. I mean, he literally murdered, uh, Apollo in the ring from how strong he is. Like, holy shit. I mean, if Rocky could barely beat Apollo, how is he ever going to beat this Russian genetic freak? Like it was just so well done. And, you know, you almost felt fearful for Rocky and in what was, you know, he'd, the last two films, he, he was obviously um, starting to do the fairy tale where he was beating people. But this one was like, wow, is he going to get past um, the Dolphin? Other thing yeah. was they tie, well, I think the brilliance of that too is they tied it in with the fear and everything from the Cold War. So get a Russian villain. That's when Russians were all tied in. So I think that gave the character more punch too at that time. And it was more probably tapped into that natural fear that was going on at the time. Absolutely. And again, you can see like how, how much of a, um, like how iconic Avam is because I mean, even with the new spin-off Apollo movies that they're doing, um, they literally brought back again, his son, the old son type thing, but mm. they had him in there as well. And I think Dolph even was in it as well on that as uh, the older, yeah, older coach sort of thing. But um, yeah, yeah, he was good. In that how, do you too, think so. Dolph, how do you think he's going these days? 
he's still in great shape. I mean, he's in, oh, he's in fantastic shape. That yeah, right. he was shit in Expendables, but he was pretty good in the in Creed too. Great movies, Creed as well. Mm, I've only seen the yeah. first one. I haven't seen the second one. The second one's not as good, but Creed one is a cracking movie. Yeah, yeah, agree. Mm. Yeah, I think they're going to keep going with that series as well for a little while. But yeah, that's good. Mm. Vaughn. Oh fuck! Sorry, putting red wine <laughs> on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, all right. We'll keep while you clean that up. We'll go to number 46. Um, we've got Norman Stansfield, who, of course, is Gary Oldman in Leon the Professional, which we actually sort of touched on in one of the last uh podcasts that we did, but um, we might as well rehash it briefly. But uh, mm. Glove, I know, do you want to kick this one off because I know you're a big fan of this film? I think it was sort of your choice in the last one, but yeah. that performance pretty impressive. It's just, I like when, like, and Gary Oldman does this perfectly, just goes over the top. You need that craziness. When you want a crazy character, Gary Oldman's the guy to go to. Or Alan Rickman when he was alive as well. Those two, did those two ever make a movie together? Good trivia. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Great movie, great villain. I think he elevated that movie above where it would be if, if he wasn't in it. You just need that little bit of craziness. It's like, He's just a guy out of this world. So it elevates that movie. He's, he's awesome. Yep. I really enjoyed him also, not what you're talking about, but you he's a great element. bad guy. Fifth Element, he's awesome. You bring this up on other podcasts, this podcast, you, you bring it up every day. You love <laughs> it. The Fifth Element's a great movie, Paul. I don't know what your problem is against it. <laughs> Let's keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> But it is good. I guess we sort of, as you said, you know, the, he was pretty intimidating. He, he brought so much to that character, the way he would like to use weird twitches and, you know, take his medicine or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, certainly, uh, yeah, very creepy character in that. It was uh, very cool. Number 45, another glove special, this one. Uh, we've got Pil- Biff, Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. Glove, do you want to... T- Kick this one off again, or <laughs> you like? I think you what to say? A good character, or a, a good character in a movie. You couldn't imagine anyone else playing Biff. I don't even know the actor's name. I think it's, it's Andrew Thomas. How maybe Thomas F. Wilson. Thomas F. Wilson. Well, you got the Thomas right. That's something. Yeah. Yep. Um, Gary Oldman. <laughs> and I think if you, there's no other guy that could play that. He played that perfectly. And even in the third movie, which wasn't as rated as well as the first two. He changed his performance a little bit. It was a bit mm. angry. It wasn't as funny, but it still worked. God, I love Biff. I used to get called Biff for some reason. Oh. What I looked like him, so I didn't really. really. Yeah. So there you go. Were you a bit of the bully back in uh, uh, high school? Were you? No, Big, I, didn't, uh... I didn't steal any people's lunch money like one of them. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> and Biff was actually also in the Fifth Element, which is a weird coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I hope you're not joking about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a joke. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, his, uh, he was he had sort of the, the perfect mix of being very funny. and uh, But yeah, I mean, he, he played the role so well. I mean, through all different versions, Future Biff, where he's, um, he's, he's married, to, married to his mum or whatever it is. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the other sort what of stuff. What a franchise. That is actually, I was talking to Paul Bonadio Glove about other movies to watch at the moment that are nostalgic. And that is a great one. Back to the Future series has got to be one that you can just revisit pretty easily, go back to it, hence the name, and enjoy it at any time. You're you're going to hate this. So I was just going to say, you're going to hate this, but apparently you're going to redo it. Of course. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like how? Why? Of course. It's surprising it's taken this long, to be honest. Let's, you know... Yeah, I can't remember who right. they said was gonna gonna play it, but uh, I can't remember. If, I could be completely wrong on this. I, I feel like it's Tom Holland from the Spider-Man franchise, but I could be completely Jesus. wrong on that. But, Dude, uh, they're just shameless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes. Alrighty. Uh, number forty-four. Uh, don't know how much you guys will be able to contribute on this one either, but oh, okay. uh, we got. Uh, Might be able to contribute a lot, Paul. Obviously, <laughs> uh, this is. Meryl Streep's character in The Devil Wears Prada. Um, so in this film, 
Meryl Streep, in my opinion, is the greatest actress of all time. And this is one of her finest roles um, in this one. She plays your, I can't remember what, which fashion label it is, but it's supposed to be playing, you know, sort of like the, the CEO type thing in this ma- major fashion sort of, um, uh-huh. uh, what was it? Yes. Yeah. Well, just, which one? <laughs> Devil is wow. I believe it's Tommy Hilfiger. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is <laughs> that's so uh, good. <laughs> no, it's day. That's terrible. Uh, it might uh, start with a Z. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like I should hand this over to someone else now, but no, no not uh, at all. You're doing great. <laughs> uh, but no, she she does that sort of very stern, cold, uh, you know, typical sort of very um yeah, some pretentious CEO sort of thing, and and Anne Hathaway's characters coming in trying to, uh, yeah, try and work in the firm and impress and all that sort of stuff, or the company, and and sure enough, um, yeah, she's she's amazing. That she just, as a character actor, she can play such sweet people. She can play characters like this. Her versatility is is just insane, um, and she is one of those full character actors. She just stay in character. Um, as well <laughs> throughout the whole the whole process, but um, yeah, really is uh, one of the um, definitely one of the best um, female villains I've seen in uh, cinema. Um, is that four, movie? Yeah. I don't even know. Sorry, if I've seen yeah. that film, is it good? That's very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. love it. Actually, it's um, Anne Hathaway plays it really well, and I'm not a massive fan of Anne Hathaway, but I think it's James Franco might be her. Uh, a joke about him. I think it's he plays her boyfriend. He's mm-hmm. always wearing like track pants. He's like that feminine sort of boyfriend that most of these sort of people have. So yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a great movie though, Slaps. Definitely, it's it's very good. Okay, mm. maybe I'll check it out, Glove and Paul Cookson. <laughs> good. Nice. Um, on to forty three, which is kind of a similar role almost, but it's Gordon Gecko. Michael Douglas, of course, uh, in Wall Street, um, which, yeah, once again, um, one of Michael Douglas's best roles because quite often he's sort of playing the uh, main character, the hero sort of thing. So this is a bit of a change for him in this role. But, um, again, Gordon Gecko, it's um, obviously on Wall Street. He's, uh, he's Charlie Sheen's coming in and sort of trying to work under him, but he's sort of that, uh, it's almost like the uh, Wolf of Wall Street before Wolf of Wall Street. He's sort of uh, not the crazy antics, but certainly the uh, sort of the bravado and, um, at, you know, charismatic that he sort of has. But, yeah, no, it's a great role, great role for, and mm. very iconic, that's for sure. Yeah, ma- massively. Yeah. Uh Okay, moving. Uh, number 42, we've got uh, uh, John Doe uh, in Seven, which is, of course, played by Kevin Spacey, which... Uh, and this one Sam, times. Yeah, I Sandy, you want to uh, kick him in this Sam started his acting career, basically, because of this movie. <laughs> hey, has my episode of Wentworth been on yet, Glove? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you watching that on Foxtel? For those that don't know, Sam, actually, I don't remember. Maybe, don't say that, dude. I should have a last idea. podcast it. Don't say it because it's probably, plays, uh, probably what is it, paramedic number five or number three? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a pivotal role to, yeah, <laughs> God. Uh, no, this is, it's one of my favourite films. It's so, yeah, it's, um, it's unbelievable. And Kevin Spacey, you know, he's scary for a number of reasons these days, but back then he, um, <laughs> he plays it so well, man. He's just got that creepy kind of deadpan, I don't know, like delivery of things. Matter of fact, he's that genius kind of bad guy. He seems a step ahead. He's smart. I don't know. It was just, as a movie, that was, yeah. It almost defined my early kind of, I know, Cookson, you loved, you know, taxi driving films like that. Seven was almost like that for me. When I first saw it, I was like, holy shit, movies can be like this. Like, mm. it, was, it was pretty awesome. Absolutely. It's interesting, this role, too, because he, like, he doesn't, he's almost not in the movie for much of it. It's really no. just the end of it. And it's all almost so much of his characters just built off this mastermind, this like murdering genius that is toying with them and getting away with it. And uh, I mean, really the only way he gets caught is because he almost like, you know, wants to, um, to fulfill his, what he wants it's to ego, do. Man. It's egotistical. Yeah. Like in the end, he wants to be recognized for his work kind of thing almost. Yeah. 
So it's, um, and the ending of that film is just incredible. Like Jesus, like, and and Bradley Pitts again, like Bradley Pitts, the choices that guy makes, Jesus, I don't know if there's many actors out there that make better choices for films than him. True. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he's got a very impressive record and yeah, he still looks in amazing shape as well, but uh, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you want to say anything about this? No, I want to say just the, the ending. And you know, one of the things I always remember of this film is when Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are walking to Kevin Spacey's place. Obviously, these are not the characters' names. But all of a sudden, they, it's just a shot out of nowhere when um, Kevin Spacey shoots him in the hallway or tries to shoot him and they go on that big chase. Mm-hmm. Just that came out of the blue. It's, that's an amazing movie. I'm with you, Slaps. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow in it. Like, very yeah, she's great. That's right. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't do too well in it, but, you know. Spoiler <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that, that film as well, I mean, obviously we're mainly supposed to be talking about the villain here, but, I mean, that film almost set up, like, you know, Saw and sort of set the, a lot of those other sort of creepy thriller, horror type uh yeah, very dark. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it really was amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, number 41, uh, we have Catwoman. Uh, in particular, there's been a few different versions, but I'm honing in on Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns because we've had some bad adaptations of it. But um, as far as female villains, especially in comic books, does not get much more iconic than Catwoman, especially Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, uh, kind of has the the perfect mix of um, being quite seductive in it and uh, also mm. being very, uh, you know, kind of creepy in the way that, you know, almost her whole, all the cats are running all over her when she first turns into Catwoman and then she's, you know, going around with her makeshift outfit and being a little bit creepy and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it's a, a great performance as well, I think. Mate, I rewatched uh, Batman Returns recently and it stands up. I love it. It's honestly one of my favorite Batmans. But this is probably my biggest gripe with this list, Cooks, and I'm going to bring it out right now. Danny DeVito's Penguin didn't make the list. Mm. I thought that was a phenomenal performance. When you rewatch it, he is so creepy, too. He's got That's black shit coming out of his mouth the whole film. He's eating raw fish. He's That's like true, unpredictable. Actually. I thought he was an awesome villain. And that was, mm, I really like this list, but that was one where I was like, ah, oh, man, really? Yeah. Like, and you had Michelle Pfeiffer on there, but not yeah. um, Daniel. That's a good point, actually. That is, yep, no. Taken on board, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, I stumped you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> Also, so another I'll, one, not to some, keep going oh, yeah. on this one, but there was a lot of villains in this film. Walken is awesome in that. Yeah. He is, yes. Yes. Oh, that reminds me of another villain that missed out. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to redo the whole thing. Yeah. Glove, what did you think um, about that? Walken almost, for me, is a bit distracting in this movie. It's too much Christian, it's too much, too much Walken. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, very sexy, and apparently the outfit was almost impossible to get on. She looked... I can really imagine. Not surprising, yeah. But even the, like, yeah, you're right, Cooks, and even the little things in that film, like with her specifically, with, like, putting on the little nail things, like, on her fingers. Oh, like, yeah. it's just, it's all those tiny details that make her this, like, just crazy, mm. unpredictable... She does, she does crazy villain. pretty well, actually, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Like, she's got... Yeah, no, she's great. And that's why I think... It's like no one's ever been able to top that since. Like a lot of the other films and some of the early Batmans, like we've seen other people do, all right, versions of them, but that one, no one's even come close. I mean, obviously there's the Halle Berry one, which will move along very quickly because that was a Mm. pile of shit. Mm. Um, So bad. Um, And then, of course, more recently in the Christopher Nolan one and Hathaway had a crack at it. She was okay, but certainly not, yeah, not, uh, Yeah. yeah. Mm. She had no pizzazz in the role compared to Pfeiffer. I don't know if she was supposed to yeah. play straight, but didn't do mm. much for me. Again, great outfit, but yeah, well. the way I mean, just on that Batman Returns rewatching it. Sorry, Glover, I know we're not keeping things moving on this, but how they captured that film—it's like in this weird, like mm. comic book, like 
universe. It's not reality, but it is. And it's just, it allows for characters like the Penguin and Catwoman to really just exist there. And you don't question it as much. Whereas I think a lot of the newer films don't allow for those types of characters. People want it to be so real or I'm not sure what it is, Mm. but they just, the balance of that film is just so good when you rewatch it. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure if that makes sense. That is interesting because the new they're of course doing the new batman with uh old uh robert pattinson and and they've recast i think catwoman they've uh, absolutely jammed this one full of villains i think they've got riddler um they've got penguin being played by colin farrell they've got um Hmm. uh yeah catwoman um i feel like this more that I've missed, but yeah, they're, they're sort of, I don't know, it's going to be interesting because sometimes when you put too many characters in, it kind of hurts the character development of their time and roles. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it yeah. goes, but um, hmm, should be interesting. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Next. Next, uh, number 40. So up to number 40, we've got Alex uh, Delage, which is uh, played by Malcolm McDowell in A Clockwork Orange. Oh, dude. Um, mm. Yeah, again. Iconic, man. Oh, amazing. Kubrick. Um, Jesus. That's it. Just so creepy. The whole tone of that whole film, and it's just obviously mm. led by him, and just how despicable he is at the start with his weird singing and dancing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then, mm. yeah, like some of the scenes are so confronting and that, and then what ends up happening to him. It's a weird mix because he's so... Uh, unlikable at the start and then he kind of and it's weird dynamic because obviously your main character is unlikable and usually whoever the main character is you kind of you know you're attached to them and then um what happens to him and then when he gets released into the wild of course it's um yeah very yeah, it becomes it's almost like the story of the joker yeah yeah it's very yeah, similar it's, yeah yeah no mm. incredible what do you think love yeah, I didn't didn't even like him towards the end of the movie. I mean, he did so much terrible shit at the start, mm. like even with that the homeless guy, and it, it was just such an unlikable character. I didn't didn't have any redeeming qualities. Mm. You know, he was just it was more than a villain. It just makes you angry. One of those. But would I then? Could I say that he did his job and he's a great villain by doing that, or do you oh, overstep the mark? Absolutely. Or Hundred percent, hundred percent. But he's he's a different variation of the villain. That he's yeah. so good that you still kind of hate him now. Well, I do. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's it. Like even his, uh, you know, his crew. I mean, he was despicable to them. He's literally despicable to anybody and everybody. They were yeah. just going around and beating up on. And yeah, obviously, like even the the rape scene was pretty full on to watch and all that sort of stuff. Like it's just, yeah, mental, mm. but um, yeah, geez, what a dark character and amazing performance. That's for sure. by Malcolm mm. McDowell. So, yep. Good one. Good one. Um, number 39 is Marlon Brando and apocalypse now Colonel Kurtz. Um, I mean, again, a movie where he's only in it for probably half of it, but the build up to his character to the scene where you sort of the few scenes that he's in it, holy shit, it's um, it's pretty full on. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, very dark and and he just yeah, Marlon Brando. He's done so many different roles, but that's still obviously one of his most iconic as well. Again, but um, it's so creepy the way he delivered his lines and you know poured the water over his bald head and does all that <laughs> sort of stuff. It's just like yeah, incredible. It's like a lot of those movies. Oh, sorry, love you go. I was going to say half that stuff wouldn't have been in the script as well. No. Yeah. Getting lines read out to him. He's just ad-libbing as he goes. And that's what made it, almost made it in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, I think that a lot of the time when you only, it's almost the, the thing you don't see is worse. It's like when you can't see it, yeah. but you hear it. And in that film, you hear about this guy as it goes along and he's only in those scenes. So it builds it up in your own head. It's kind of, uh, you know, that, that makes it effective in its own mm. way. So when you do see him, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, less is more. And that's something I think that's missing a bit from modern movies. Mm-hmm. Um, can we go back to when sort of Jaws started that? You barely saw the shark throughout the whole yep. thing. It's as iconic as anything. But these days, it's, it's kind of always in your face. But I yep. love those, really? those movies where, yeah, 100% right. You, they might have five minutes, six minutes of, of screen time. But when they're on, you don't forget it. 
But that's it. It's almost and, the and, seven thing again. Like, yeah, well, it's know, exactly it's the same as the seven. To that and, yeah. And because you've been watching this film and that whole time, that's been building in your head, even subconsciously, as you take in the film. So then when it gets to that point, you're like, holy shit, like this, you, you finally, you get the reveal as a, the viewer and it's so much more effective that way. Hmm. And one other movie that did that perfectly, and I'm disgusted that this character oh, no. is not on the list. Oh, oh Jesus. No. Predator. Oh, you see, it was number 50 and he, he just dropped off for Bane. But, yeah, it was, it was hovering around the mark. That was a tough one. So, yeah, no, I'll, t- I'll cop that. Yeah, No one remembers 51, Cookson. <laughs> yeah, no one. Yeah, exactly. The Predator. Yeah, come on, Cookson. That's a, that's a very good one. I'm yeah, going to go back to this list and start fair. grilling you on the ones that missed out. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that later on. But, uh, All right, keep going. Yeah, no, keep moving. Fair point. Um, but yeah, again, sort of a very deep and complex character. And when we finally catch up to him, we've heard about what was this character and how he turned so much to go against his country um, and to do what he sort of set up. Um, you're sort of seeing the deterioration of a man. And it's almost like at the end um, that uh, oh, Martin, oh, what's his name? Um, the main guy. Mm. Um yeah, Martin Sheen. Um, it's almost like all the shit that he's gone through, it's almost he can understand to a point what's driven him to kind of become like, you know, a little bit crazy, a little bit, yeah, eccentric and sort of have done. So, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And, and he, obviously, Brando's performance shows that exactly, like the deterioration, sort of the almost mentally unstable um, sort of role that's almost so creepy and you don't know what he's going to do and snap, but yeah, amazing. Um, Number 38 is uh, Cape Fear, Max Cady. This is kind of a split one. So the original was performed by Robert Mitchum and then redone, of course, by Robert De Niro. Um, I'm happy to start off with this one, but uh, the original with Robert Mitchum, um, and he was uh, um, opposite Gregory Peck. Again, you know, incredible actor. Um, but Robert Mitchum is sort of known in the, in the early days as being one of the best sort of villains going around, villain actors. And he was, if you rewatch that, it, like, I mean, the remake with Robert De Niro is amazing, but the original is just as good. Like, it, it's um, he's, he's so creepy in that. And then, of course, Robert De Niro with his his tats and um, how creepy he is, especially to the, uh, I think it's Juliette Lewis. I could be yep. wrong on that. Uh, yeah, Juliette Lewis. Um, yeah, he's um, with his accent and everything else. I mean, he kind of does enough to change the character in, you know, if you're going to remake a film, you want some originality and, and enough to sort of be similar to the source material, but change it so it's still, you're seeing a different film, which so much we don't see these days. But um yeah, it it's pretty amazing performance. I thought by both. Yeah, I yeah. think that's an awesome. That's a great choice because the I rewatched the De Niro Cape Fear Scorsese. Right? He did Scorsese mm. do that? Yeah. Mm. Um, dude, De Niro is phenomenal in that, and, and you're right. That some of those scenes with um, what's her name? Yeah, 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 Juliet Lewis. Like when he just like you know courts her in the at the school oh, and stuff yeah. and you're like, holy shit, like just such electric scenes and just really uncomfortable and, mm. you know, and you got Nick Nolte out there just, you know, yelling and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so it's, I th- that's a f- awesome film, but a great villain also. Yeah. Also uh, extra trivia just to round that all up. The thumb in the mouth bit wasn't planned either. She didn't wow. Know coming, wow. So, yeah. That's wow. good. That's and good. W- You'd say that it almost defined Juliette Lewis's career, that role. Yeah. Because yeah, that was early on. She was very young. and That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because she um, found the Church of Scientology. So. Did she? She's yeah. a Scientologist, right. Mm. There you go. Another one. There you go. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. On to 37. Uh, number 37 is Ernest Stavro Blofeld, that, of course, is one of the most iconic villains in the James Bond saga. Of course, also portrayed almost as the Dr. Evil, the bald man with the, with the cat, um, played by many actors throughout uh, the course of the Bond films, Anthony Dawson, um, Donald Pleasance, 
most recently Christoph Waltz in the new Daniel Craig ones, and I believe he's also going to reclaim that role in the um, the newest Bond film, uh, No Time to Die, as well. Um, but probably look, there's probably other Bond villains who probably are more. I don't know. It's it's a tough one because obviously, like you know, you've got Goldfinger, Jaws, Odd Job, uh, um, the Man with the Golden Gun. There's like you know, Baron Stamini. There's so many great villains who have been in James Bond. We could almost list you know fifty right there um, from all the Bond villains. But um, I think probably none more iconic in that it's you know it's one of the mo- most consistent villains in Bond films and um, again that you know almost like the Doctor Evil and everything else it's so mm. such a well known sort of uh, character that um, yeah very well done and and portrayed across many different Bond films. So was Jaws yeah. a hard one for you to cut? Because I thought very hard. I remember watching James Bond as a kid and going, man, it's like that dude is. He's unstoppable. He's nine feet tall. He's got metal teeth, bites through cables. Like, that's a pretty awesome bad guy. I was, I was pretty close to swapping him out, to be honest, just for that, exactly like that nostalgia of I kind of grew up on Jaws as well. And Dude, he was like you unstoppable. Said, how tall he was. And yeah, that's it. I mean, metal teeth. I mean, geez. Yeah. He just, the way he'd pick up people, and even when Bond would hit him and he just like would make no impact, he'd no, just bounce that's off him. Like, as a kid watching things like that, when you, and I know there's a villain coming up that resonates with all of us, which I'm not going to say what it is or who it is, but that unstoppable kind of, you know, you hit this guy, that's not going to help. It's like, as someone watching that, you're like, how do you stop this, this thing? And I thought Jaws did that. Do you regret yeah. not putting him in now? Good question. Uh, potentially it's a, I don't know. I still think both felt just like that iconic, um, one that's sort of been consistent, but yeah, I mean, Jaws is probably one of my, it, if I was going off my own, which I kind of am on this and probably should be in there, <laughs> that's <laughs> favorite, but you probably should be, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, who, who was, would you say Jaws is your favorite, um, yeah. villain? Yep. Yeah, yep. definitely. How about you, Glass? Who was your favourite? I'm not as massively up with my Bond villains. All I remember was what were those two sort of, they were a little bit effeminate as well. What was it Goldfinger at the start? It was sort of two main guys. Um, my Bond knowledge isn't very good. Oh, Coulson's that... is elite, by the way, Glove. He... <laughs> I was a big Bond fan. Yeah, massive. massive. I'm so. somewhere in between. <laughs> I think I could be wrong actually on this one. After saying that, and I might get this one wrong, but I think that was on Live and Let Die. I think there was the two of them, and they were quite quite creepy. It was the same one with um, Live and Let Die um, with um, Baron Samity and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think that could have been that. They're quite creepy, those two. Yeah, anyway, even though the, the later ones, Xavier Bardem, he would oh, uh, yeah the jaw and all that sort of thing going on. I thought that was really cool. Absolutely. I thought yeah. Christoph Waltz in the latest, in one of the Bonds, how many Bonds has he done now? Just one, but he's going to be in the second one. Soon. I didn't think but, yeah. he was that good in that. Agreed. He was, and especially he was playing Blofeld, um, which is, you know, um, and he's usually, it's almost like they put a little bit of a leash on him because he's yeah. such a great, um, yeah, uh, villain kind of and stuff like that. a boring villain. I was like, this dude just seems oh, like it's... some guy who's just like, he, you know, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Sells something yeah. during the week and he's a villain on the weekends. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Uh, all right. Number 36. Uh, we're going into Disney on this one because we need some uh, classic Disney and, and probably the most famous Disney villain going around would be Scar in The Lion King, of course, voiced by Jeremy Irons. Um, I mean... We, there's been a lot of villains and Disney films and stuff like that, but if we're talking about uh, probably one of the best villains and that it was quite creepy as a young kid, we're talking about um, the way that uh, Jeremy Irons voices Scar is the way he speaks is very creepy and, and I don't know, he's sort of, his tones and all that sort of stuff and he's the brother of, I forget the the line that he's you know the main king of, of the lions Mustafa or something Mustafa I, I, I should remember this so, Is that the line but, or <laughs> yeah something like that um, but but the way that I mean he literally in not many Disney films they do this it's not that violent but he literally murders 
you know, the, um, the king um, for his own benefit. And then he takes over the tribe, um, brainwashes the, you know, the, the baby, you know, the main, I can't remember the names of them, but the, you know, the main uh, young, young lion and, and, you know, makes him an outcast effectively sort of thing. And then takes over this, this tribe and is so intimidating and, you know, has his own little, it's almost like a gangster film. He goes off and, you know, joins up with the, uh, um, uh, the other animals that he ends up hyenas. joining up with, but hyenas, that's the one. But um, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, a bit creepy cool. as far as Disney. Yeah, how you put that above the penguin leaves me <laughs> fucking <laughs> because we've got to go off iconic films on all different genres. It's not just you can't just go off, you know, men. Uh, you know, <laughs> in I, I just want to. And I think the predator kicks Scar's ass very, very quickly as well. Scar's a freaking cartoon. He's a drawing. He's not even a fucking person, Cookson. But if you put it in context of <laughs> Disney films, you've got to, like, Disney, it's one of the most Disney, most popular film series pretty much going around. I put like, the Hunter and Bambi above Scar. <laughs> so I'd almost agree with that, man. I mean, that was, yeah, I think it was just called Man or something like that. But yeah, that was... Um, that's a role oof. I could play, you know. That's normally, <laughs> <laughs> they're normally unnamed and no dialogue. <laughs> No, dude. Uh, look, I, I do agree. Like, I know he and Jeremy Irons did bring life to that role. All jokes aside, um, yeah. The voices in that, yeah, it's just. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Mm. I, I I only saw that movie. I got given it to me by a girl called Zoe in uni, and that was the first time I'd seen The Lion King. What happened to Zoe? Oh, I missed her. She was kind of cute too. I don't know. Those PR girls were always sort of like high and above. I don't always felt like, you know, they were the sort of Warren Dyke type girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> Warren, we're from Warren Dyke. That's the <laughs> reference. That's sort of always lovely. <laughs> has never met a Warren Dyke girl, <laughs> except for my wife. <laughs> you boys have met a few though over the day. I tell you what. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Let's keep this thing rolling, hey? <laughs> Those peppermint teas are making you go silly, God. <laughs> All right, number 35 then. Before uh, you get... Uh, sorry on this yes, one. Should we take a petition that Glove should start having a whiskey or something? Well, have yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, we got a lot of time left, Slav, so at some stage I will grab a whiskey for sure. All right, good. Should you do a promo for your whiskey company? No, no, I'll do that. Mr. Whiskey at the moment. Uh, what's number 35, Cookson? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we are back, but uh, we just took a quick break. But uh, in exciting news, we've actually got a uh, special guest who's just joined us uh, on the panel. We mentioned him on the, uh, on the outset. It is the infamous A-lister that is my brother, Daniel Cookson. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you very much. <laughs> you convinced me to get on this thing, but bribery. Uh, uh, yes. You are a person. <laughs> Let's put it this way: if it wasn't in the middle of COVID, Dan wouldn't even piss on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a long, I had fifty top ten reasons why I didn't need to be on. This <laughs> Could have done a podcast on your excuses for this thing. <laughs> And Paul worked through all of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him, he's persistent. <laughs> Fucking hell. No, that's great. Uh, no, we thought with villains, you're uh, the perfect villain to bring... I don't know what I mean by that, but yeah, welcome anyway. Anyway, we'll just keep keep moving anyway. Uh, so we're up to number 35, Dan. So we're up to uh, number, coming in, number 35 is Schindler's List. Ralph Fiennes' role as Amon Goth? Goth? Uh, however you say it, but yes, uh, very, <laughs> very intimidating role as the, uh, the Nazi. Uh, Sam, I feel like you Dan, should. Dan, why did you this. think this was the comedy of 94? <laughs> <laughs> I think every time we talk about it, that's genocide in the first 10 minutes. It's. Uh... <laughs> Dude, it's just uh, like, where do you even start with this one? It is so brutal as a film, just in general, the realism and just the the fact it's all black and white just mm. makes it so vivid and 
uh, they just don't hide anything. It's so confronting as a film. Um, sure. And Ralph Fiennes is a villain. It's just ruthless. He's cold. And he, he plays that character perfectly. So I think that's a, that's a really good pick by you, man. Because it's not one that... It's not, it's not a flashy villain, but it's a deeply mm. evil villain that you've, you've picked is. there. It's almost like the, the, you know, you think the Nazis, like that sort of just... He just knows what he's... He doesn't even really question what he's doing is wrong. Like he's just convinced and the way that he sort of treats, treats them and things like that throughout it, just this uh, sort of cold-blooded sort of just... Yeah, and he, where he's quite nice to, to Oscar throughout it, so you saw this other side of it, but then he's just like the, the way that he treats them is just, yeah, it's um, very cold and sort of shows that realism that I imagine a lot of them really did have to do the things that they did. But, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Ralph Fiennes is a, geez, he's a good villain. He's done it in mm. so many different films. He's, he's incredible yeah. in that regard. But, um, do yeah. you regret even, like, Red Dragon, he was great. I mean, he was a great villain on that. Was that even in the calculations for this? All right, Sam, you're going to do this throughout the whole podcast. <laughs> All the ones I've missed out. Is that one that you reckon you've missed out or you reckon you're comfortable with that one being out of it? Uh, no, no, I think, uh, look, he was on my uh, just a miss out list. But uh, if you look at that one I sent you guys, but um, no, I think he was, maybe he wasn't. But uh, yeah, no, he's um, actually maybe Buffalo Bill was. But look, um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good point. He was, he's, yeah, no, he's <laughs> moving uh, along. <laughs> Any other comments on that one, guys? Or you're good? Well, I think, I mean, I think the interesting thing was that he's probably one of the. I'm looking at your list, and he's one of the few villains that actually existed in real life. Because mm, so obviously, true. based on a real life SS, absolutely uh, Nazi. So and. Mm. Actually, I just did a quick Google search. Shit, it, he, Ralph Fiennes looks like. Wow. It's insane. Wow. There you go. Creepy. Yeah, it's quite scary. Mm, very creepy. And so whether he's channeled, yeah, I don't know, the yeah. likeness or... Yeah, he know. looks like he'd be the other sort of person who would be a little bit character actor. You know, I don't know that for sure, but he sort of looks like the sort of guy, the way he gets into his roles as a villain. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Uh, moving on to number thirty-four, uh, we have uh, uh, Ali Ermi. Um, is the actor's name? It's of course the the Sergeant Hartman in uh, Full Metal Jacket. Um, one of the most iconic drill sergeant type things you will see. Amazing, charismatic, and everything. Love. Did you want to get this one off? Or? I've only seen yeah. this movie once, but geez, okay. Leaves an impression. Um, oh. Just, I, I can more just look back on him with the feel of how he put his imprimatur on that movie. Like, and just, I, I actually can't remember the movie that well, but I only really remember him about it. Him and the um, soldier that, I don't know how to Kyle. correct say Kyle or, Is that him? Yeah, yeah that's what Kyle man. Yeah. But he's yeah. probably better oh, known fine. for Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but again, Kubrick getting it done. Or the cell, sorry. The cell also. Jeff yeah. Lopez as well. Yeah, Lopez. Yeah. That's yeah. a great film, by the way. <laughs> it is. It really yeah. is. Really? Yeah. yeah. Great one. Um, Dude, that, um, that movie by itself, sorry to butt in there, is just mm. phenomenal, man. It's like a full movie. Metal. It's like a, yeah, yeah, Full Metal Jacket. It's like this two movies in one. It is. Exactly it's like the the... The camp, and then they just go to Vietnam, and that's a whole nother movie. It's just, but that Almost with new drill cast sergeant, and everything, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. But the drill sergeant is just Jesus, man. Like that just builds and builds. It's so dark. The the music, he's just relentless. Well, yeah. on, that, on that point, like, I mean, are we giving? We're worried about giving spoilers away. No, no, dude. From a nineteen eighties movie, no. Good yeah, point. if you haven't seen it by now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's dead by half time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's 34 yeah. on your list and he's only been in half a movie. Having said that, uh, <laughs> some of the other Having ones we've had in there is... is Scar is from Lions King featured very highly. John Doe. <laughs> <laughs> John Doe from Seven. We had, uh, you know, it was for only a little bit and even Apocalypse Now, Marlon Brando. I mean, this, that's what we're sort of talking about. 
certain characters who just make an impact in a film, even though not what being about screen in time. No, no. And impact. Uh, impact. Any time you talk about like the drill sergeant, he, like I think uh, you know the Simpsons have done a version. Like there's so many different yeah. sort of done a version yeah. of him. He's sort of oh, it's so iconic in that role. But well, and his one liners that he comes out with. Oh, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's, well, Cookson, you and you'll know this. Like he in the the film he's, uh, Evil Woman or Saving Silverman. He played yes. the coach and he essentially plays the exact same character <laughs> where he's just yelling at them and like playing that same just asshole. And it's, it's awesome to see. And that's like 20 years later. It is. Yeah. The role is yeah. more play. Yep. No, it's a good one. Um, all righty. Uh, up to number 33, which again, we'll just uh, mute uh, Glove yeah, and Sam's like... mic on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up to his, to his one. <laughs> um, uh, number, coming in at number 33 is uh, Thanos from the Avengers Infinity Wars, of course, played by Josh Brolin. Um, why this one was so big is, again, we talk about Marvel films um, and the way that that build to the culmination that was Infinity Wars and Endgame. I mean, he made appearances throughout all these other films. They had the big showdown and he beat the absolute shit out of and effectively killed 50% of all the Marvel superheroes. So, um, you know, even even in Endgame, he's literally fighting against the three greatest Marvel characters in um, Captain America, Iron Man and... Um, and Thor, and he still absolutely beats the shit out of him. And it wasn't until they all, all join him at the end to try and fight him that he actually kind of gets overthrown. But um, but Josh Brolin, I I really rate him as well. I think he brings a lot to this role. I think he's a great actor. Um, and and uh, in this role as well, yeah, I just think um, Endgame, where you've got so many charismatic actors, and for him to, I thought, was almost the highlight of Infinity Wars, the way that he held his his ground and um, how menacing he was and stuff like that. I thought he was he's he's a phenomenal actor, Josh Brolin. Very underrated, I think. So, I don't know, Dan. Have you seen? I think you've seen some of Endgame and Avengers. I don't know if the other guys may. I know Sam, you watched it, but yeah, I don't know if you. Want to I, didn't have, it, but, I didn't yeah. have my microphone near me for this one <laughs> until now. Is that a general disdain for the franchise? No, it's not a disdain. It's just I have not, I can't provide any. Well, yes, Daniel, but no, I can't provide. Any, <laughs> <laughs> I can't provide anything of note to say here. I, uh, oh god, I was hoping that I, you guys would pass me over on this one. That's the right. glove. Glove. Does I, glove, yeah. have... <laughs> glove has nothing on this. And I... <laughs> <laughs> glove has nothing on this. Dude, I love the third person. <laughs> I, I think, um, I mean, I, to be honest, I hadn't watched any of, I'd watched the first one and I hadn't watched any of them. And I know, Paul, you rate them really highly. So yeah. I think with your, your kind of, again, your persistence, your constant, Reminding me that I need to do something. That I think the word is nagging. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> word. <laughs> I ended up, well, yeah, I ended up watching them, and yeah, it was. They, I enjoyed them. They were all right. And mm. is Thanos a good baddie? Yeah, he, he, um, he got the ba- he got the good guys. So I guess he's winning. He went. He won for an entire film, which is a good thing, right? So. True. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like this next one's going to be a quick one as well. But if we're looking up lists, this one is usually in the top 10 if you Google search top villains. So, look, it comes in at number 32. I know you guys are going to give me shit about it, but if we're talking about iconic films of all time, the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz, uh, played by Margaret Hamilton. Um, look, again, we talk about films, and this is one of the most you know, early on films we're going on. They build this character throughout it, the suspense. I know, again, it's you know, kind of an older film with, you know, as you're young, but you know, they build this character, and it is uh, quite menacing when we finally get to The Wicked Witch. 
she does a great job. She's uh, quite creepy and still a, you know, kid's way that it doesn't creep you out to the point that, you know, kids can't watch this film. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a well-deserving. If we're talking about one of the most, especially, I mean, if obviously if we're doing in this list in the 1930s or 40s, it would be right up there as far as villains. But, uh, you know, over the length of time and, and the significance of that character is pretty big. Um, so that's why I think it's deserving of being in the top 50. Don't know if I should shoot to any of you on opinions on this or just keep moving. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the one that got the house dropped on her. Which one was that one? <laughs> I think it's that one, right? <laughs> Maven, Wicked Witch of the... Wicked Witch of the... Yeah, the, other, the other direction, which... Cookson, <laughs> a question, and I feel like I'm channeling Glove on this, but Glove oh, no. always says a phrase that sticks with me, and it's be real. Glove, oh, no, say that, don't you? I say it all the time. And I, I would do. like you... to hear some, some realness, because I feel like Cookson wasn't as convincing with his explanation on that. You know, he was what was that? Did someone just uh, receive something on this thing? I just uh, no, yeah. Yeah. It's just another leg on my multi going on. So oh. <laughs> Glove is just watching a football game on a side screen right now. <laughs> Multitask. I love it. Oh, dear. Oh, dude. No, hey, in you gamble like Schwartz. Who... It's incredible. Let's oh, not get crazy. Uh, I... I'm gonna keep no. moving. Oh uh, no, no, no! <laughs> but just quickly, Cookson, answer, do you, would it, did you put that in the list because you thought it should be there, or you honestly believe that it should Look, be there? When I first, when I first uh, would naturally think about it, I probably wouldn't have it in there. But as I searched the internet and I saw it was in the top ten of most, I was like, no, that makes sense. Like if you think of the relevance of it, it probably makes sense that it probably should be in there because if again we're talking about the significance. It's like saying Charlie Chaplin or something like, you know, we're talking about one of the most, you know, that sort of iconic and the significance of what that role meant for its time and what it probably set up in the future. Sure, present day, it probably, you know, there's certainly other villains, but I just think it's more the significance of it and uh, of its era. So, uh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm with Sam on this one. Like, I wonder if, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, the, like the, I mean, honestly, the, the um, wicked, the, um, you can't even remember the fucking villain. What was the film called again? <laughs> <laughs> the Wizard what was of it? Oz. Dorothy. Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Wizard of Oz. That's Wizard right. Wizard of Oz. Glob saw the musical a bunch of times. Yeah. Wow. I, I, sorry, Dan. You go. But I'm, I'm going to speak in a minute. All right. Oh, I just thought, like it was very. It was a famous film, obviously, because it was the transition from black and white to color. So it was one of the first, the first um, full color films ever made which was effectively like you know movies going from you know um into cg world like it was just a massive transition and i wonder if just the fact that the film was big whether her performance actually was that much of a standout like when you mentioned marlon brando in apocalypse now like obviously it was a small role a short role but he really brought something to it. And as an actor, we all know he's a great one. And so that he, he brought something special to that role, made it memorable. Did she bring um, something memorable to that role or was she just what? wrapped up in the, the, well, the massive of the film? Well, I think it's all in context and we're talking uh-huh. about uh, performances in different times and in her time, I think it was, and that's why it's so, so highly regarded because we're talking about the time, but um, yeah, look, I mean, if we stack it up to now, probably not, but that's why I'm sort of saying it's more in relevance of the time. Like we all know that, you know, um, what, what we consider now to uh, what it was beforehand. I mean, you know, the way that, there's so many things that, you know, has changed, shifted. And, and that's, I think, another example of where back then, um, I don't know if she was even, um, she may even have received one in a couple of Academy Awards. I'm not sure even if it was, uh, okay, she wasn't even nominated. All right, moving along. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I was going to say, I, I had a question. Can we take it out of the top 50? Ooh, controversial. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm on Paul's side. She's one of the most <laughs> I knew, I, would, I knew you would, Glob. I knew you would. You love these musical bloody no, pieces. No, 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 not musical. I don't even think she sings that much in it. But she, some of the scenes in that movie, she creates, like with the uh, little pet monkeys. I can't remember what it is. But she set the template for a lot of villains to come. 
Some Thank you, Glove. Oh, I was drowning there. So I think that's very, very high on the list. For a film Cookson hasn't watched more than once. I've seen many a times. How do you not see? Anyway, number 31. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to Warden Norton, um, which is, of course, uh, from the Shawshank Redemption. Um, I'll give this one a quick intro and then I'll kick to you guys. But, um, I mean, Shawshank Redemption is highly regarded as probably being the greatest film of all time by many lists, including IMDb. Um, and Warden Norton's a pretty big part of that. I mean, we, we fall in love with the main characters and the way that he treats the main characters that we have here. Um, he starts off being quite subtle, but as we get into the film, we see the depth that this character has as we go. And that's because of all of his hidden agenda. Um, Obviously, he gets him to work. He sees that he has a skill. Uh, and then we realise the only reason that he's obviously doing that is very obviously just to benefit himself and cover up the misgivings that he's doing. So um, as we start to find out that potentially Andy Dufresne is innocent, he shuts that shit down very quickly. You know, he, he murders, uh, you know, that uh, guy who has evidence. He locks him up in a box for months. Um, and does things like that and he's just, you know, he, how despicable he becomes is, is, you know, throughout the film we just develop and understand how, you know, what a, what a horrible character he is. And I imagine, again, in um, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, prisons and things like that, that, um, you know, a lot of the wardens would take advantage of, of uh, their situation and things like that and, and especially they probably... We get a lot of leniency as well, given that, you know, we're talking about prisoners that probably people don't really give a shit about. So um, I'm sure they take advantage of it. And that's, this is the perfect example of it. So mm, over to you guys. Any thoughts on, on, uh, on this, this role? What not? He definitely kept the Shawshank from being redeemed. <laughs> That'll end the podcast right now. <laughs> That's a mock job right there. You can do a graph. <laughs> Wavery started off really strong. And there's the wide. Come out. <laughs> oh. oh. Wow. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm not nervous anymore. And, <laughs> you shouldn't uh, be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else got anything on actor? that one? <laughs> Samuel Norton is the actor, by the way. Give him a shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, it was a great role. He, he sort of... Um, Johnson, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Quite, um, you know, we're talking about um, the drill sergeant. A lot of those sort of characters are over the top, but he was a bit more subtle with his punishment. Mm. His punishment was just as severe as anything. So, um, very yeah. hateable character. Mm. Absolutely. All right, I'm just going to jump in here. Um, While we've worked our way through the top 50 villains of all time, and before we do jump into number 30, we actually thought we'd break up the podcast into several episodes just to give each character some justice that they deserve to be discussed properly by the panel. Um, Lots of big names still to be discussed as we work towards that number one pick of the greatest villain of all time. Um, on the way, um, there'll be more controversial picks and surprises, um, which the panel don't always agree with me on, but um, that's okay. It does create some great uh, entertaining debate. Um, all that and more on the next episode. So make sure you do tune in. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again soon for part two.